I don't know about you, but I'm a results sort of person. I'm a results guy. How many of you are results people? You like results. You don't just like talk. You like action. Amen? All right? Now, the reality is that in the body of Christ for a long time, people have had this mindset of, you know what? It's just about your relationship with Jesus. You've heard that before, right? just about your relationship with Jesus. And prayer is just about intimacy with Jesus. But we don't talk that often about what comes out of that intimacy. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus was mission-minded whilst being relational. So we see in Scripture, he says, Now go ye therefore and, and make disciples of all nations. Then he goes on to say, And lo, I will be with you. But I'll be with you in the context of mission. Amen. So many people try to claim intimacy with Jesus, but they don't care very much about the mission of Jesus. The two go hand in hand. If I were to ask you a question and to say to you, think about a team that you've been a part of in the past. Think about a team that you've been a part of in the past. Just think about it. A team that you really loved. A team that was awesome, amazing. And then I say to you, what were the characteristics of that particular team? What would you say? You would, you would highlight to me that you got along well with each other, right? You liked the people that were part of that team. But the second thing you'll also say is that the team did well. I can tell you right now, the team that you were thinking of was not a team that didn't perform. Are you seeing where I'm going? Winning teams win. And so what I realized is that when it comes to teams, for example, we talk about cohesion. But there's social cohesion, which is that country club feel. We love being with each other, the relational dimension of the team. But at the same time, there's what's called instrumental cohesiveness. And instrumental cohesiveness is, do we have synergy between us that results in us winning? Is everyone seeing where I'm going? It's not enough to just be part of a team where it's, you know, we sing Gumbaya with each other, right? But nothing happens. I want to I say to you this morning, it's the same with prayer. I'm a results kind of guy. And I'm sure many of you here are results people. You see, I don't want to spend my whole life thinking to myself, I spend so much time in God's presence, I spend so much time in prayer, but none of my prayers were answered. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to keep excusing, excusing my lack of getting my prayers answered. Because many people blame God, and many people say, God in his wisdom knows what he's doing. I'm the kind of person where if a prayer is not answered, I want to investigate in Scripture. Because when I look at the Word of God, it says God is good. We learned about that recently, didn't we? And it also shows me that God loves to hear my prayers and answer them. And that if I pray in faith according to His will, I get answers. So when I don't get answers, I need to go back to the Word and study and see what am I missing. Because I'm a results person. Is everyone following and let's not con ourselves anymore. And let's not sit back and just say, ah, oh, no, you know, some of these things happen and we'll only find out in heaven. Yes, there's certain things we might only find out in heaven. But you know that there's certain mysteries and many mysteries where the reason why he hides them is only to reveal them. He loves revealing things to us. Is everyone following this morning? 
Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Just because you're ignorant of when it comes to prayer and why certain prayers are hindered, don't brag about your ignorance. Amen? You see, sometimes we don't know certain things, and then we're just like, how? Oh, we'll only find out in heaven. But the answers are in scripture right now. Is everyone following? And so we're going into a whole series, the school of advanced prayer. We've done a lot of foundational teaching on prayer, but now we're going into the school of advanced prayer. And for the first number of weeks, I'm going to be talking about prayer that gets results. How many of you are results people here? I want my prayers answered. I want when I lay hands on the sick, I want them to recover. And if they're not recovering, I want to figure out why. So this got me into the word of God. And I did a whole study weeks back. I did a whole study of the times when prayers were not answered in scripture. Or the explanations for why sometimes prayers are not answered. And through that process, the Lord began to teach me how to pray in order to get results. Are you expectant this morning? I want to show you that. So if you look in John chapter 9 verse 31 by way of introduction, the Bible here says, We know that God does not hear sinners. <laughs> by the way, this is New Testament, isn't it? Okay, This is not some obscure Old Testament passage where David is angry with some dudes and he's just like venting. Okay? This is New Testament. And oh, last time I checked, John was the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He was the, the nice guy. <laughs> we know that God does not hear sinners. Now, if you're a born-again believer, you're not a sinner. When we talk about sinners, we're basically talking about someone who lives a lifestyle of sin. That's the general description, all right? Someone who lives a lifestyle of sin. So don't keep identifying yourself as, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are in Christ. Is everyone following? Right? But here it says, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. This is already showing me a key to answered prayer. Can you see that? Right? The principle I just want to lay out here, this is just the introduction, still an introduction is that there's certain people where God doesn't hear them because of their lifestyle. And so make sure that if you're a believer, yes, we sometimes stumble, but make sure you're not living a lifestyle of sin. Amen? We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he will hear him. Isaiah 65, verse 24. This is another group of people. It's another group of people. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now tell me, is God schizophrenic? No. He's talking about a different group of people, isn't he? And he says here, it will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. So there are certain people where God doesn't hear their prayers and there are certain people where God answers their prayers before they've even finished the sentence. Is everyone following? So this thing we've got where we assume that God hears all prayers just because you prayed, it's wrong. It's not biblical. 
So I want to start off today by highlighting three dimensions of prayer that you can tap into to ensure that God hears that particular prayer. Are you ready? The first is make specific requests. You know, one of the things I've learned is that we've all got different ways of influencing. Have you noticed that? We've all got very different ways of influencing. That's why at a national level, you'd see people bombing other countries. I, I want you to do what I want you to do, therefore I'll bomb you and you'll listen to me. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's an influence strategy. You find that very often with boys. What do they do? I want to get this from you. You took my thing. And what do they do? It's physical force, isn't it? It happened recently in my home, in my household. Yes, it happens even to pastors, right? And the, my three boys were fighting. It started off with two of them, then the other one joined in, and all three were there. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? And then I, I thought, Haven't, have we not taught you? This is not how you solve problems in this household, right? And it was interesting because I then said to them, stop doing this. We talk about things. We don't fight. And then one of the boys said, I've forgotten which, which one it was, but then how do we stop so-and-so from doing this? The logic he was working with is the most logical approach, dad, is I need to apply physical force. <laughs> Amen? But I was very clear that if this continues, I've got another type of biblically-based physical force that I can apply <laughs> that will resolve all of this. But the point I'm making is, if you look in your life, if you look at your life right now, you've got certain ways of bringing about the change you want to bring about. For some of you, maybe you bribe. Not good, but some of you, maybe that's what you do. Some nations will impose sanctions on other nations. So we've always got a default approach when we want to make things happen. Is everyone following this morning? But God has given us an influence strategy. And he's shown us in his word that if you want to effect change in your sphere of influence, pray. But Lord, I pray. But Lord, I'm praying all the time. Now he qualifies it. Make specific requests. James 4 verse 2 says, you desire, but you do not have. So what's your influence strategy? So you kill. Can you see what's happening? There are some people who desire and they pray. There are other people who desire but do not have. So what do they do? They kill. That's their influence strategy. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So what's your influence strategy? You quarrel and fight. Is everyone following? Then it goes on to say something so powerful. You do not have because you do not ask God. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the first thing you do when your children are not listening to you? Do you shout and scream? Or do you say, you know what? I do not have the peaceful and peace-loving kids that I want to have. Let me ask God. Are you, are you hearing where, where I'm coming from? Let me ask God. I've been crying out to God saying, Lord, I want my sons to have their own revelation of you. Lord, I want my sons to, and I've been crying out to God. That's the first thing we do. You do not have because you do not ask. Let's go a little bit deeper. This is the school of advanced prayer, isn't it? Okay. Let's go a little bit deeper. 
My son Daniel, who you saw just walking here, my third born, who you saw just walking here, his birthday is on the 2nd of November. And so we've been asking him as parents, what do you want for your birthday? He's not giving us clear answers. Sometimes, the one time he said something to my wife, but then we realized that, wait a minute, that was a suggestion from one of his brothers. Is it really what Daniel wants? Amen? How many of you know that because he hasn't made a clear, specific request, I'm not motivated to go to the shops and get something that he might not want? So as a father, I understand the power of a specific request. And it's even more powerful if my child wants that particular thing and has been wanting it for the last nine months. It's easy for me to be like, sure, okay, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, my love, I think we need to get it. Even if it costs a lot. Amen? How specific are your requests? You do not have because you do not ask. And let me just say something. The word we're talking about here is a very powerful word, and it's very specific. It's not about praying prayers like, Lord, please bless the whole world. Do you know what the problem with those types of prayers are? Do you know what the problem with that prayer is? You can't have faith for it. How many of you have got faith that God, God by, by this afternoon, if you pray, Lord, bless the world, the world will be blessed. And how do you measure the degree to which the world is now blessed? Amen. Lord, I pray for all the poor people in the world. Give them food. All the poor people in the world, bless them with food. Do you have faith for that? I wish I had your faith. Are you seeing where I'm going? Very often it's easier for us to make general requests because then we're not disappointed. Very often it's easier for some of my kids when it comes to birthdays and so on. Sometimes they default as, so dad, what do you think I should get? If they're feeling a bit nervous that they might make a request and dad might say, no, I don't think we should get that. But when we have a revelation of the goodness of God and the bigness of God, how, how massive he is and how big hearted he is. The Bible describes him as El Shaddai. Do you know what that literally means? One of its meanings is the full breasted one. Don't visualize that too much, okay? But that's, how, that's one of the meanings, the full breasted one, El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. Amen. When I have a revelation of his nature, his character, his goodness, it affects my confidence when it comes to praying. And I can make that specific request. Amen? I'm telling you right now, a lot of times as adults, we don't make specific requests. And we think we're being spiritual. That's the problem. We're deceived. We think we're being spiritual. Lord, tomorrow, may you just do whatever you want to do tomorrow. Just do whatever. No. Find out what's on God's heart and then pray it into being. Amen? Take time to wait on the Lord and find out what is on his heart and then, in, and then infect the earth with that. That's how we pray powerful prayers. Amen? Now, what is interesting is that word for ask, where it says you do not ask God, that word for ask is the word in the Greek atema, and it means to ask, it means to request, it means to petition, it means to demand. How many of you know that there's certain things that you can demand from God? Do you know that when you pray strong prayers of faith that are specific, you don't have to be overly polite? You see, God loves it when we say, but God, this is in your word. You said it. And you keep your promises according to your word. And because this is your nature and this is your character, I'm believing you for it. So I'm saying in the name of Jesus, it's done. 
He loves that. Why? Because he's saying, ah, now you believe me. Now you believe that I'm a God who keeps his word. Amen? How many of you know that it's one thing for my kids to make a request? It's another thing when they make a demand, and I don't mind if it's a demand when it's based on a promise I've already made them. And they're more confident to demand when it's something I've already promised. Are you hearing me? I'm seeing Chico is really smiling. Where are your parents, Chico? They're your parents. <laughs> Under pressure. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Right? I'm telling you right now, my kids, and, and they're very vocal. But mom and dad, you said you would do that. But you said last week you'd do it. And sometimes we try and squirm our way out of it. No, 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 no. Your mom and I just said we'll talk about it. We didn't say we will do it. Because they also stretch it. You can make a demand to the Lord when it's based on a promise. Because he said that I've placed my word above all my name. Are you following me? I'm trying to help you because many people don't have their prayers answered because they don't ask. And that word ask is not just, eh, maybe if the government is still there and if it doesn't change its mind, if this political party doesn't change, and then maybe, eh, perhaps if, uh, no, it's not that. It's saying, God, you said, I'm standing on your word. I want to see this thing now. Is everyone following? Those are the prayers that get results. Say specificity. It's a bit of a tongue twister, I know, right? But this is one, in prayer, this is, when that is lacking in prayer, it's one of the biggest causes of unanswered prayer. We're not specific. We're not specific. And the sad thing is that many people see it as being arrogant and presumptuous. Do you know that some of the, some of the most humble people pray the boldest prayers? Do you know that? Praying bold prayers to a God who's already said, I will give it to you. Don't you know I'm good? Is my hand not big enough? Am I, is my heart not wide enough? Do I not love you enough? That's humility. Do you know why? I'm basically saying, God, I will believe your word over mine. Amen? So we need to be specific. And guess what? God is attracted to this because God is attracted to faith. And it's easier to rise up in faith when you're specific. Do you know that even when it comes to healing the sick, when the glory of God is very strong, we see things happening, but we need to usher in the glory of God. But when you're just praying the prayer of faith, you tend to get more results the more specific you are. I'm just sharing you a secret when it comes to the ministry of healing. If you look at the hunters, they're called the hunters, okay? I'm not talking about hunter-gatherers and so on. Okay, that was their name. They surname, Charles and Francis Hunter. And God would use them very strongly. And they had great medical knowledge. And they would ask specific questions. Is it your back? Okay, and is this? Is this? That's why those of you who are in the health professions, you've got an advantage when it comes to praying prayers of faith for the sick because you understand how the body works. And you might not just go, be healed, whatever it is, whatever, but you can ask specific questions and you can say, Lord, may these two ligaments please heal. May they start coming together properly. Okay, with this broken bit. Lord, this, um, you know, by the spinal cord where, where this nerve is being twitched because it's, the, may, may it come loose, may it come loose in Jesus' name. Can you see that you can release faith into that? Instead of when people come, oh, pastor, can you pray for me? What do you want? Can you give me a once-over? Pastor, can you just give me a once-over, please? Just give me a once-over. How do I apply faith to that? 
Okay, Lord, just give her a once-over. Joy, uh, healing, uh, marital reconciliation, uh, everything, Lord. Specificity. Say that to the person next to you. It takes our prayers to another level. It takes our prayers to another level. So this is petitionary prayer, a specific request. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything. So don't just focus on, oh, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So there's no situation where we can't be specific in prayer, right? In every situation, by prayer and petition. Can you see that there's a distinct, there's a, there's a distinct difference between prayer, general prayer, and petition? Otherwise, it would have been one word. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word petition is the word in the Greek, desis. Desis. And it, it, it implies a felt need that is personal and urgent. How many of you have got certain felt needs right now where you feel it's a need? Just raise your hand. And how many of you it's urgent? <laughs> okay. So that has to come through in your petitioning. Amen? It comes through in your petitioning. Some people lack a sense of urgency. Some people are very passive when it comes to prayer. The person who makes a petition has a sense of urgency about it, a sense of desperation about it. And when God sees that, he responds. Amen? I don't know about you, but I respond very often to certain things that are urgent, even if they're not that important. It's a tendency we've got as human beings, isn't it? That's why when we help people with time management, we're always saying to them, listen, focus on the important things, not just the urgent. That's why you can be in your household and you can feel like my, my, my wife does not prioritize me. Why? Because she's focusing on what's urgent. And she'll say to me, my love, you're so important. You're my favorite person in the whole world. But I might sometimes be feeling like, yeah, but, but you're doing all these other things. And she'll say, yeah, because I had this and this and this to do. Because she was focusing on the urgent. Amen? And how many of you know that we all like that? But guess what? When it comes to people placing a demand on us, we tend to respond like the widow was just knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. And what happened afterwards? The door was opened because of her persistence. A sense of urgency. And you know that Jesus shared that parable in the context of explaining the kingdom. What he's basically saying is, you know what? This is the same way my kingdom operates. Create that sense of urgency. Create that sense of, Lord, we need to see a move of God. Lord, we are desperate for it. Lord, we don't want to experience revival 10 years from now. I don't know about you, but the revival I'm praying for, it, I, maybe I'm not that spiritual, but the revival I'm praying for, it's not for when my kids grow up and I've died and they've got their grandkids. Amen? I know some, some Christians are very super spiritual, and they're like, Lord, even if I don't see it, even if it's the next generation or the next generation, Lord, may you do it. I'm not praying that prayer. I want to see results, and I want to see it in my lifetime. Amen? Amen? And I don't know about you, but this church is almost 10 years, and there's certain things that need to happen now. Are you hearing me? And so I'm placing a demand. I'm placing a demand. I'm placing a demand, and you'll see the testimonies. Amen? Now, you can be passive and think you're being spiritual that way, but it doesn't get results. 
Simple as that. That word requests is that same word as ask, is that same word atema. It's to demand or request. It's to demand or request. In Ephesians 6 verse 18, it says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. How often should we be praying? Okay. And with this in view, be on the alert. In other words, watch and pray. With all perseverance and what? And petition for all the saints. Can you see that very often when we read scripture, we need to actually separate out those words. Because some of you, you read the word prayer, and you read the word thanksgivings, and then you read the word petition, and you think it's all the same thing. It's not the same thing. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings, be made on behalf of all men. So you can make a petition on behalf of another person. Amen? And these words in Scripture are often used interchangeably, these two words, supplication and petition. Amen? Are you getting something this morning? Okay. So my question to you is, how do you view God? Do you know that he likes you more than you like yourself? Now, I know some of you like yourselves a lot, right? You really like yourselves. You think you're awesome, amazing. The word we learned from, from Pastor Stewart, right? You think you're awesome, amazing. But guess what? The Lord thinks you're more awesome, amazing than you think. That's God. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? All right? Now... Watch this. Watch this. I want to ask you a question. Do you know that he loves it when you make requests, trusting in his goodness? He actually likes it. He loves it. When we go to him and we say, Lord, I'm believing you for this, it's attractive to him. It, it complements him. It's like, okay, so you believe in my word. You believe that my word is true. He loves it. But some of us don't flow this way because of our, of our emotions. How many of you are quite emotional as a person? You're very in touch with your emotions and you feel certain things very strongly. I want to tell you, your emotions are good and they're good barometers of various things, but they're not a good barometer of the degree to which God loves you. Because one day you feel so loved by God and the next day you're feeling this condemnation. Does it mean God loves you any less? No, he doesn't love you any less. So your emotions are not a barometer of his love. I love what Judah Smith says in a book that I'm taking my kids through for devotions. Emotions are a normal and wonderful part of life, but they were never meant to be the barometer of God's opinion toward us. They were never meant to be the barometer of God's opinion toward us. You guys all know barometers, right? Okay, the people who don't know a barometer aren't going to say, yes, I know, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, ask the person next to you afterwards, okay? If you saw someone, how many of you know what a barometer is? Okay, just see, see the hands, see those hands, see those hands. Ask them afterwards. <laughs> All right. Right? So your emotions aren't an instrument that measures the degree to which God loves you or doesn't love you. Amen. All right? Now, here's some examples of being specific in prayer that I've crafted. Some of you have been using some of my crafted prayers. And so with regards to customer care, it's one thing to go and to just say, Lord, I love my customers. Lord, may you bless me with more customers. That's one, one prayer to pray. It's another thing to pray like this. 
Lord, help me to give my customers plus one service by going the extra mile in everything I do. Lord, help me to see that my customers are not a burden but the core of my job. Lord, reveal to me where I'm pursuing customers that are high maintenance and have become a distraction. Help me to keep the main thing the main thing. These are powerful prayers to pray and they're very specific, aren't they? Lord, may you show me which customers to fire as they're draining me. Lord, open my eyes to see potential customers around me that I've not seen before. Lord, open my heart to potential customers that I had overlooked because of my own prejudice or inner vows I had made. I renounce and disarm the power of any debilitating words that I or anyone else has spoken that would hinder my relationship with current or potential customers. I pray for every interaction. I pray for every phone call and meeting that I have with my customers this week. Let your wisdom prevail, Lord. Let the right people be present, Lord. Let those with a contrary spirit be disallowed from any meeting that I have. Let all negativity be silenced. Let the purposes of God in my customer relations prevail. Prepare their hearts and soften them toward me. I declare that God's agenda for all my meetings this week will be established in Jesus' name. Can you see the power of that? I'm being very specific. And those prayers are being answered. The ninth one here. Father, may I always have a servant heart toward my customer. May I treat the customer as king. May I walk in true humility and meekness. Now, I could write out all those things partly because I train and I teach people on service excellence. It's one of the things I teach on. And so it's important for you to find crafted prayers written out by people, crafted by people who have knowledge, specific knowledge, in the area that you want to pray. Does that make sense? And then you can go into detail. And have you noticed that when you pray specific prayers like this, your prayer times aren't that short? Amen? When you pray like this, your prayer times aren't that short. To pray through some of my crafted prayers... Some of them, those of you who've prayed through some of them, you, it's difficult for pe- most people to do them in just one go. Amen? You hear people saying, yeah, we're doing 10 a day. Are you following? And people are getting results. Miracles are happening. Marketplace miracles are taking place as people pray those specific things. And they're there on the website, but how many of you use them? I'm hoping that you'll use them with this understanding that our prayers need to be specific. Is everyone getting something this morning? I often pray very specifically for the sermon that I'm about to preach. So I'm not just coming here and like, oh, actual, eh, all right. I could wing it. These no, this was prepared days ago. We submit our notes, our sermon notes, we submit them to the media team so that they can do the PowerPoints. I sent this through to them on Tuesday. Are you following what I'm saying? I sent this through to them on Tuesday. I could have just woken up late this morning, rolled out of bed, come. You wouldn't have known the difference. But you know what I've learned? My influence strategy starts there. So if I want you to understand what I'm saying, I know that I can't just say it. I need to cry out to God and say, Lord, and very often I'll pray through each point each of the major points that I'm making. Lord, may you give your people a revelation of the power of being specific in prayer. May their prayer lives change from this day forward. I'm praying the points that I'm about to preach. Amen? And how many of you know that with some of these sermons, they're not the shortest? 
So guess what? It takes some time to do that. Amen? There's a specific prayer I prayed recently. My wife couldn't find her ID. How many of you know that it's important to have your ID? Okay? And for a period of about a month and a half, we couldn't find it, and we, we were quite sure. She was very sure, certain. I was, she was starting to convince me also. A particular service provider who had been trying to fix her car and so on, because it was after that that she couldn't find her ID. And you know nowadays people are doing a lot of... Um, uh, ID stealing. What do you call it? Identity theft, right? And they're doing that. It's happening a lot. So as the husband that I am, I said to her, you know what? Because uh, I don't go to Centurion. Queues are too long. There's somewhere else I go out of town. And I was like, okay, I'm going to organize um, a replacement. But you know, it's a bit of a distance going there, right? Um, but I was going to do it. Think about it. A month and a half had gone by. Couldn't find the ID. We were convinced it's stolen. We had looked everywhere. So now the plan is I'm going to such and such a place. It was one of those rare days where I was going to be free. And so I think it was the day or so before that I was praying about it. And I know others were praying too. And I prayed a very specific prayer that morning. I cried out to God, not just... Lord, maybe. Not passive. I said, Lord, I don't want to go all the way to that place. And then after a couple of days, her ID surfaces. So, Father God, if her ID is anywhere around, may it surface. I'm not exaggerating. A few minutes later, my son Samuel comes and says, Dad, I can't find my watch. I'm not too sure. Have you seen where my watch is? So I say to him, I last saw it, it was in my car. Didn't you take it from my car? So I said, okay, Sammy, let me help you find it. I go into my car and I'm starting to look for his watch. I go under the seat by the side of the passenger thing. I feel something. There's my wife's ID. Are you hearing me? And people say to me, there's no God. That literally happened a few minutes after I had prayed a very specific prayer. Is everyone following me? All right? Oh, and by the way, for those of you who are, you know, thinking, oh, and what happened to Samuel's watch? Tell us about his watch. <laughs> A short while later, he found it elsewhere. So God had orchestrated the whole watch thing so that I find my wife's ID. Amen? It's important for me to quickly note that we do see some exceptions in Scripture. I want to show you something powerful. In Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 8. Do you remember when Peter and John go to the gate called Beautiful? They pitch up there and they see this man that was lame, maybe partially paralyzed. Tell me what happened. Did the guy actually ask Peter and John? Did the guy say to Peter and John, guys, please, I need healing? It's an important request to make, but look what happens. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Carry on. 
And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So he wanted money. He was asking for alms, and then he got legs. Anyway, you, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Alms, alms giving. You guys, who's from a traditional church here, okay? Asking, he was begging. So he wanted money. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So he was expecting money. And then watch what happens. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he arose. He rose up and walked, and he was completely healed immediately. Did he make a specific request? He made a specific request, but for the wrong thing. Amen? You know what the Lord showed me? Sometimes we have to help people to go to another level in terms of the requests they make. Amen? Sometimes we have to help people in making bold and audacious requests to the Lord. In fact, I felt the Lord saying to me, you know what? Some of my people are asking for bread, but I want to bless them with a bakery. Are you hearing me this morning? Some of you are saying, Lord, 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 please may the taxi just sort of come closer to my house so that it doesn't drop me off so far. And God is saying, why don't you trust me for your own transportation? Amen? Amen? So there are times when people get breakthrough, but we have to first say, look at us. I have something that you can have, and that which I have, I give to you, so that they rise in their level of faith. How bold are your requests? How bold are your requests in this hour, in this season? The requests you are making, are they a reflection of how big God is? Something to ask ourselves. The second one I want to go into today is that we need to pray in alignment with God's will. We need to pray in alignment with God's will. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. By inference, what does this mean? When we're not asking according to His will, we're not heard. Amen? So I have to be convinced that the thing that I'm requesting is according to God's will. And very often that is a, it's part of the fruit of my theology. If your theology is that, yeah, these things can happen to believers, it's from the Lord, you'll accept it. Amen? But if you've listened to teachings on the goodness of God and you've washed yourself with the word of God, you'll be familiar with the will of God and then you'll be confident that what you're praying is the will of God. Amen? Some people, when their prayers are not being answered, they just assume it's not, God, it's not God's will. Eh, wrong answer. Just because your prayer is not being answered doesn't mean it's not God's will. We need to understand that. There are a lot of things that are not God's will that are happening today. If you've got a brother or a sister who gets so addicted to drugs and they overdose and they die at the age of 14, do you think that was God's will? So why do we say, ah, it was his time? Is everyone following me? Let's not put stuff on God that God hasn't done. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Isn't this powerful? Earlier on today, when, the, when, when there was no power in Highfelt, I was busy praying through some of these points. And I actually paused and I thought to myself, you know what, what is the will of God for us today? If there's no power, it means that there'll be no lights here and that the video will be dark. Do you, how many of you think that this message God wants to go out also on video, not just audio? Amen? So I pondered on these things and I thought to myself, what's God's heart? And instead of being passive, I ah, will make a plan and so on. Yes, we had a backup plan if there was no power. But I knew that I needed to engage in prayer and say, Lord, I'm convinced that it is your will. So I pray right now for all the um, technical people, right, who are busy fixing the fault and so on. I pray that this power comes back on and that this fault, whatever it is, is fixed in high felt. Are you hearing me? That's how we need to pray. That's how we need to pray. Now, when we talk about God's will, the word that is used here is the word thelema, thelema in the Greek, and it means his will, it means his wishes, and it means his desires. It often refers to God's best offer to a people that can be accepted or rejected. So when you say, I'm praying God's will, you're basically saying, I'm praying God's desire. Whatever you're praying for, think about it. Do you think it's God's desire? I'm praying God's wish, God's desire, and I'm praying God's best offer into a situation. Isn't that powerful? All right? So that's praying the will of God. So we see in this prayer, in this uh, statement in 1 John chapter 5, the two conditions here are asking and doing so according to his will. This means that a large aspect of my prayer life should be waiting on the Lord and figuring out what his will is. See, many of us rush prematurely into a petition before establishing his will. You know, the problem with that is you become double-minded when you're praying because one day you think this is his will and you pray it. Next day you think the other thing is his will and you pray the opposite. And you confuse heaven. You know that you can confuse heaven. And then the Lord just is like, you know what, we're just waiting on you. You're saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. Lord is like, I'm just waiting on you to figure out what exactly you want. Are you hearing me this morning? A large portion of our prayers should be investigation and waiting on the Lord to get a sense of what his will is. And then we can pray with more conviction. Amen. Are you learning something this morning? All right. His word reveals his will. So you cannot truly be an effective prayer warrior in the absence of deep exposure to God's word. You cannot be a true prayer warrior without being exposed at a deep level to the word of God because his word is his will. Amen? How do we know what God's will is? Look at his word and look at his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says, So then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know that those two statements go hand in hand. Basically, by implication, Jesus is saying, if you want to know what my will is, look at my kingdom. You know what I love? 
You know why Peter, John, you know why the first apostles prayed such strong, bold prayers? They were very clear about God's will. Very, very clear. Because they had spent those years with Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? He says, I'm explaining to you about the kingdom. What can I liken the kingdom to? And he gave all those parables. They were very clear. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Amen? And remember, if you see in scripture, it says, and so many of the things that Jesus spoke to them, you know what? They, we could write and write and it could fill so many books. Do you remember when John says that in the book of the Revelation? There are so many things, but it could fill so many books. Right? And then before Jesus ascended, he spent so much time talking to them, the Bible says, about the kingdom. How do you pray God's will? Pray his word. How else do you pray God's will? Study his kingdom. And our job is then... Whatever heaven looks like, we're going to actually usher it in to the earth. But we have to know what heaven looks like. Amen? We have to know what the kingdom of God is like. We have to be students of the kingdom if we're going to pray according to his will. Amen? What does a kingdom marriage look like? I have to figure that out according to the word of God, and that's what I pray over my marriage. Amen? What does a kingdom parent look like? I have to know the word of God intimately so I can pray that. Amen? You will always pray prayers according to your spiritual diet. You will pray and you'll prophesy according to your spiritual diet. Have you noticed that some of those prophets where they only prophesy prosperity? Or what they think is prosperity? You know what I'm talking about. I see a million dollars coming your way, my brother. I see it. I feel it. Next meeting. Oh, I see two million coming your way. They, they only pray those types of prayers. There's never stuff, st things on, they never talk about things to do with character. Everyone following? You will pray and you'll prophesy based on your spiritual diet. And if you don't have a balanced spiritual diet, it shows in your prayers. Amen? Praying the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have to know what heaven looks like. If we want to know the will of God, we must study his kingdom. His kingdom is a place where his will is manifest. Therefore, we need to study the kingdom. Prayer involves ushering in kingdom activities and kingdom climate onto earth. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, of peace, and of joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, verse 17. So these are the things we should pray for. So here's my question to you. Can a prayer be answered if it's not God's will? Some of you are quick to say. <laughs> you know that in Scripture, there are certain prayers that were answered even though they weren't God's will. That's why you have to be very careful what you pray. You can't just be like, I'll just pray anything, and if it's not God's will, then it won't happen. Because when you grumble and when you insist on a particular thing happening, sometimes God actually is like, he'll have to learn. Just like we do with our children. You know there are times when you don't really want your kids to have a particular thing, and then they keep on persisting and persisting, persisting, and just for, to get them to stop nagging you, what do you do? Sometimes you allow it. I want to show you this in scripture. 
Because, because that's how God trains us, and sometimes that's how God disciplines us. So if you look in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 to 34, I want to show you that you can insist on getting a wife, but then ending, end up getting a wife from the devil. If you're not ready to get a wife, and you insist, I want a wife now, name it, claim it, frame it, I bind that sister to me, Lord. Charismatic witchcraft. You might end up getting her, but she might be from the devil. How many of you know that the devil gives certain things? Lord, I have to have this business, and this is the one for me, and you're not sure if it's God's will, and you keep pushing and keep pressing. Sometimes the devil can come in, can intervene, and give you a business that causes you sorrow. That's why the Bible says God's riches don't bring sorrow. In other words, there's certain riches that bring sorrow. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to insist on certain things, and then I end up not wanting what I've now got. So in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 to 34, it says, The Lord sent a wind from the sea that brought quails and dropped them all around the camp. There were quails on the ground about three feet deep as far as you could walk in a day in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quails. No one gathered less than 60 bushels. Then they spread the quails out all around the camp. While the meat was still in their mouths, <laughs> before they had even had a chance to chew it, <laughs> the Lord became angry with the people and struck them with a severe plague. That place was called Kibroth, Hatava, graves of those who craved meat. Because there they buried the people who had a strong craving for meat. The context here was these guys were complaining. They were saying the food in Egypt is better than what we're getting here. We want meat. We want meat. He gives them meat, then there's a plague. And look what ends up happening. Amen? Be very careful what you insist on. Especially if you're not sure if it's God's will or not. Amen? I'll give you another example. Let me, let me, let me ask it this way. Was it God's original desire and wish for them to get meat? No. Did they end up getting it? Yes. Why? They were grumbling and they were insistent. Let me ask you another question. Was it God's will for the children of Israel to have a king? No. Did they end up getting a king? Did the kings cause problems? Okay. And you see that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 to 9 and 19 to 20. Okay? So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. How many of you are always looking at the Joneses, wanting to keep up with the Joneses? You know, we want to be like them. So Lord, bless me with this. You didn't desire that thing last year, but when you saw your neighbor now has it, now you want it. Be careful of what you crave. Amen. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. God gives us choice, doesn't he? 
He gives us choice. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly. In other words, tell them the consequences. And let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And God said, let it happen. So some of you, might, maybe you're in a relationship with an unsaved person. And you're like, Lord, make him marry me. I claim him. He's my husband. I want to settle down. I'm feeling lonely. Yeah, he might come and end up proposing to you tomorrow. But let me tell you something. Six months down the line, you're the one who wants out. Are you hearing me this morning? We must pray prayers according to the will of God. And we must not insist based on our own craving. We shouldn't be careless in our praying. We need to seek God concerning his will. Colossians 1 verse 9 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that God, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is one of the most powerful prayers to pray over yourself. Fill me, God, with the knowledge of your will. Fill me, Lord God, with the knowledge of your will concerning my business. Fill me, Lord, with the knowledge of your will concerning relationships. Fill me, Lord, with the knowledge of your will concerning this church. Can you see what's happening? He'll then show you his will and you pray a bold prayer according to his will. Isn't that powerful? But let's pray for a knowledge of his will. You know what I've noticed about many Christians? They pray seeking God's will concerning things that aren't important to God. And then the important things, they don't ask for God's will. You know what I'm talking about, right? Someone will cry out, Lord, is it the pink dress or the blue dress? Lord, which one? Which one, Lord? You're there in the shops. Which one, Lord, pink or blue? Very often, God will not answer those types of prayers because God is saying, you choose whatever you want. That's not important to me. Are you hearing me? Lord, the blue shoes or the gray ones, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. Which ones, which ones? Then you become a flaky Christian. And then you get into a dodgy relationship and do dodgy stuff, but you don't seek God about that. Are you hearing me this morning? Are we seeking God's will concerning the things that matter, that affect our destiny? Or are we seeking him concerning arbitrary things? Let's not be flaky. Say to the person next to you, don't be flaky. I'm not saying there's never a time when the Lord will say, go and wear that green outfit. And then you suddenly meet this one person who, who's in a shop beneath you working there. And they're also in green. And because they're also in green, they come and talk to you. And it's an open door for the gospel. I know there's sometimes those cases. But for the most part, ladies and gentlemen, let's not be flaky. Let's not spend hours seeking God's face concerning things where God is just like, I gave you the authority to decide. Whether your car is blue or it's the gray one. You know what? I've got, I've got nations I want to reach. Amen? Otherwise, you waste a lot of time and energy seeking God on those things, but you're not seeking God concerning your career. You're not seeking God concerning your ministry involvement. Or dudes. Or dudettes. <laughs> Amen. 
Finally, be single-minded and fervent as you pray. This is my third and final point. Be single-minded and fervent as you pray. This is one of the main reasons why prayers are not answered. We're double-minded and we're not fervent. James chapter 1, verse 7 to 8, it says, But he must ask in faith without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So there's certain people we should go to and say, listen, dude, I just want you to know, according to scripture, you shouldn't be expecting to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Why? But God is good. But, but God is good. No, because you are double-minded. Amen? Find out what God's will is and be resolute and push through in your prayers. Those are the prayers that get results. But if today you are saying one thing, and then as soon as you've finished praying, you confess something else. You know those people? They're praying saying, Lord, I thank you. I received breakthrough from my business. I thank you, Lord God, that I'll be successful in the land. You've given me the land. And then you go and someone says, so how's business going? And you say, hey, we're struggling with everyone else. Eh? Ah, things are tough. You've just canceled the declaration you made in prayer. You're double-minded. You're saying one thing in your closet. You're saying another thing out in public. Amen. God hears our words, not just our prayers. God hears our words, not just our prayers. You can't say, in a prayer meeting, I prayed like this, but your confession outside is the opposite. Amen? Double-minded. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That includes women also, by the way. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Do you want to follow Jesus? If you want to follow Jesus... Live for him fully and completely. Amen? Don't be lukewarm. That's one of the things. People think, the, when we talk about being lukewarm, people like to describe someone in general as a lukewarm Christian. But how many of you that we can pray lukewarm prayers? What are lukewarm prayers? There's no conviction. It's like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Let me just pray and we'll see. I don't know about you, but I would rather be a sniper. How many of you watch that series, Shooter? <laughs> Some of you are nervous like, How come it's just ladies raising their hands I thought it would be guys, you know Like shooting, shooting, shooting Anyway, my wife watches it Okay, Now more people are like, oh, okay, if she watches Pastor Trace watches, then we'll all now start watching okay. But the point I'm making is I would rather be a sniper in prayer Than be someone on a machine gun Just like, oh, just shoot, just shoot, just shoot Amen Don't become lukewarm. Prayer that gets results. If your prayer is to get results, it mustn't be half-hearted. Pray with passion in the same direction. You know, some people pray, in passion, pray with passion, but in different directions. One day they're praying in this direction. Next day they're going north. North. The other day east. The other day west. And then they end up in the same place. Amen. So my question to you is, how convinced are you about what you are requesting? How convinced are you about what you are requesting? Our prayers need to be resolute. Our prayers need to be prayers with conviction. And our prayers need to be prayers that we pray with spiritual aggression. You can be a gentle person when you're dealing with people, but you're spiritually aggressive when it comes to getting results in prayer. Amen? In Revelation 3, 15 to 16, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. There are certain prayers that are rejected because they don't come with conviction. I've seen it happening. Have you ever been in a situation where someone asks you for something and you don't do it? And then they say, but why didn't you do it? And what do you say to them? I didn't know you were being serious. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because the way you make the request is, it'll be nice if we can do this. I see it happening in marriages also, where people don't want to make themselves vulnerable. Um, do you want this? Do you want that? It'll be nice. I, I don't want to know whether it will just be nice. Is it something you really want? You know what I'm talking about? It happens here, even in this church, when I say, would you like me to do this or this? Uh, no problem, Pastor. Are you saying you want me to do it, or are you saying no problem if I do it? Are you tolerating the thing I'm going to do for you, or is it something you really desire? Is everyone following? Our prayers need to be prayers prayed with conviction. In Hebrews 5 verse 7, it gives us a snapshot of the prayer life of Jesus. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and what? Can you see how it separates those two words? Some of you have just been praying and not petitioning. He offered up prayers and petitions. How did he do so? With fervent cries and tears. You see, he brought his whole self, his whole physical body into prayer. Sometimes we're praying here. I noticed when I came in to Ignite, my wife was already leading us in prayer and so on. And you guys were praying fervently, those of you who are here. I noticed when I started trying to lead you, then I was like looking around. Like, How come with me it's not working? It's like people are tired. <laughs> I said to my wife afterwards, I think it's the grace on your life to lead prayer or something. Because when I tried, it looked like people were like... Are you following me? The point I'm making is that Jesus himself modeled this. It said he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. When was the last time you cried in prayer? You'll cry when you go and watch the rugby afterwards or the soccer this evening. You'll be crying if, if South Africa loses. Or Tottenham or Man United, whoever you support or Liverpool. People cry. My middle son, Jaden, I have to literally say, Jaden, calm down. It's just a game. When United isn't playing, it's like, come on, these guys are... I'm like, Jaden, what about you? You also make mistakes. He's very good at soccer. You also make mistakes in your soccer. Yeah, but these guys are professional. They paid for this. He's very passionate. Sometimes towards the end of a game, we're like, I'm not even going to watch this. I'm going to go outside now. I'm just, I just and sometimes I'm glad he's left the room because then we can just... And then when we score or something like that, you know, we call them back. But the point I'm making is we're very passionate about our hobbies. We're very passionate about the things we love. Soapies, some of you who watch soapies. When it comes to prayer, pray with fervency. Amen? It says, with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. That word fervent, do you know what that word fervent means? It's the same word, it's, it's the Greek word iskuros, and it basically means strong and mighty. Strong and mighty prayers that he prayed. Don't be afraid of using your voice in prayer, by the way. 
Psalm 142 verse 1 says, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. Use your voice in prayer, ladies and gentlemen. John 11 verse 43 says, When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! At Ignite, when those of you came forward and we were praying and we were doing impartations and so on, did you notice that there are times when I would lay hands on people or I would say things, then suddenly I'll just get very loud. That's not a planned thing. Sometimes what was happening is there was something in my spirit that needed to be imparted to someone and it needed to come out with force. Now we're not talking about just being a loud person, it has to be spirit led. Amen. Some people were just loud about everything. There are times when I've prayed, I prayed a very strong prayer where God had shown me something about some people. I traveled to Joburg. I began to pray for them at their house. And initially I was very soft, very quiet. And it was powerful. But at a certain point, something ignited in me and became louder and louder. Don't be afraid of using your voice in prayer. Amen? Don't be afraid of using your voice in prayer. In James 5, verse 16, in the Amplified, it says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. How many of you need power to be made available? I'm not talking about ESCOM. I'm talking about power. You know what makes it available? The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man man. Not just the prayer, the earnest prayer, the fervent prayer. So if I can summarize what we've covered today, it's this, in this one sentence, two sentences. God has called us to make specific requests according to his will and to do so with fervent single-mindedness. These are the prayers that get results. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat these affirmations after me. Say after me, I will be specific in my requests. I will pray God's will. I will be single-minded in prayer. I will pray with fervency. My prayers will get results. Again, I will be specific in my requests. I will pray God's will. I will seek His face concerning His will. I will be single-minded in prayer. I will pray with fervency. My prayers will get results. My prayers will get results. My prayers will get results. In Jesus' mighty name. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your people. And thank you for what you are doing to ignite us to our next level of prayer. Lord, we ask that you keep teaching us and giving us revelation. I pray for every single person that is represented here, that we will go to new heights in our prayer lives, Lord God. We will be specific in our requests. We'll seek your face concerning your will. We will be single-minded in our prayers, Lord God, and we'll pray with fervency. 
We commit ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask that revival will be birthed, that we will experience breakthrough in our personal lives, in our business lives, in our leadership lives, in our parenting lives, in our marriages, Lord God, in our friendships, because of the prayers that we've prayed. We commit ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask that we would put these things into practice during the course of this week. In Jesus' mighty name, and the people of God said, Amen. How do you learn to pray? Pray. How do you learn to pray? Pray. During the course of this week, just keep practicing these three things. Keep practicing these three things. Praying according to His will, seek His face. Pray very specific prayers, okay? Usually it takes you longer to do so, but that's good. Amen? All right? And then pray with conviction. Pray with fervency. Watch this space. Amen.